Well, brothers and sisters, what a wonderful time of praise and worship on this greatest day of the whole calendar year for those of us who are people of faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as risen Savior and Lord. And I'm so happy to be here today. I'm so happy that you're here joining in with us wherever you may be. And now is the time for the people of God to turn to the book of God that we might hear the word of God so that we might live in the wake of the blessing of God. I'm going to be this morning in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, the fourth gospel, John chapter 20. And as we turn our attention this morning to God's word, the message that I want to bring to you today is a very simple one. Don't miss the resurrection. Uh, To those of us who look forward to Easter each and every year, uh, this is definitely a different feel uh, today. Uh, than we have from most years. When the people of God uh, can't gather in the power of God to celebrate the greatest moment of God in all of human history, well, I'm just saying uh, there's a concern if we're not careful in these unusual days that we just might miss the resurrection. But you know, the celebration of Easter really has very little to do with an actual gathering. We would prefer to be gathered together, but you don't have to be together in a big room like this one in order to celebrate Easter. And let me tell you why that's true, because you can go to church, you can be in a building, you can be cleaned up, dressed up, fired up, gussied up. You can be surrounded by Easter choirs and Easter preachers and Easter lilies and Easter eggs. You can be dressed in Easter suits and Easter dresses And you can still miss the resurrection. This year, one of our members here at Hillcrest was so concerned about this that he went out and constructed a cross. I brought you a picture of it this morning. Check this out. Went out and built a cross, not just a little cross, not just an ornamental cross. I'm talking about sure enough cross. And he put it right there in his backyard, sent his pastor a picture of it and reminded me at our household where we serve the Lord, we are not going to miss Easter this year. No, you don't want to miss Easter because nothing is more central, and I'm telling you nothing is more crucial to our faith than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is the hinge on which everything about our faith turns. You take away the resurrection, you take away Christianity itself. Remove the resurrection and our Christian faith begins to crumble and topple like a deck of cards on a table. But today, the Bible reminds us if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But let the word go forth today, brothers and sisters, from this pulpit and thousands and thousands of others like it all around the world, that Christ has been raised. Can I have an amen? That Jesus is alive. And because he lives, as Jesus himself said, we can live also. Today can be, I'm convinced, the very best Easter of all. Totally removed from the trappings that sometimes overwhelm the heart of what the day is supposed to mean, 
Because even in the best of times, even when the church gathers in mass, even when people come together and acknowledge Easter, the sad reality is more people as not will miss the resurrection. Don't you be one of them today. Reminds me of the story of one man who missed Easter. In fact, he missed the very first Easter. He didn't have to miss it. But for several different reasons, he missed out on the greatest single day in the history of the world. He pouted, and because he pouted, he missed the party. His name, of course, is Thomas, the skeptic, the doubter, the disciple from the show-me state of Missouri, that Thomas. And it's his story that I want us to read about. This morning, John chapter 20, we'll begin our reading in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, And place my finger into the mark of the nails. And place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Father, would you anoint your powerful, precious word this morning by your spirit and move all across the land today, taking the seed of the word of God and planting it deep in the hearts of people who know you and in the lives of people who need to know you and encourage us on this most important of all days. Remind us that Jesus is alive And through faith in him, we can live forever as well. We love you, Father. Speak to us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, why did Thomas miss out on that first Easter? Well, there are several reasons. Um, For many of the same reasons that people miss the resurrection today. You know why people can miss the resurrection? One reason, I think, has to do with insecurity. There are a lot of people today that miss the resurrection because they're living fearful insecure lives in large part because of their past, because of their personal life experiences. There are a lot of fearful, insecure people throughout the world today, and insecurity can certainly cause you not only to miss the resurrection, but to miss Jesus entirely. Thomas was basically a very insecure man. That's not hard at all to deduce from the passage that we just read. His name was Thomas, but people didn't call him Thomas. People that knew him called him Didymus. It was a nickname Basically, a word that means twin. 
And so we know that Thomas was one of two twins. And that was the custom in the early days of the first century, a common custom in Palestine. Both twins would have their own given names, names like Thomas, but the second born of the two would just typically be referred to as twin or the twin. Can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine being referred to almost as an afterthought with this kind of noun rather than your own name. I mean, it'd be like Brad Woods. Brad and Jody Woods have twin girls, beautiful girls. And it'd be like Brad having his twin daughters and introducing you to them and said, these are my children. This is Natalie and this is her twin. Can you imagine the identity crisis that would uh, possibly be formed in the life of precious Nicole? Man alive. No, that's not what he does. And that would end up in problems. Thomas is still, as an adult man, being called the twin. And that's likely why you see him reacting the way he often does, not only here, but all throughout the Bible. The Thomas of the Bible is a, is a chronic pessimist, brothers and sisters. It seemed like he always expected the worst. I saw a sign on someone's desk one time that said, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm optimistic that a bunch of really bad things are about to happen. Well, you don't want to live like that. That was Thomas. That was his outlook on life. You remember early in the Gospel of John when Jesus was ready to go to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead and then go on to Jerusalem. It was Thomas who said there in John 11, well, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, some people read that and they see bravado, bravery in that statement, but I just think it's an incredibly fatalistic statement because Thomas knew the religious establishment was lying in wait for the Lord Jesus Christ there at Jerusalem. And frankly, I believe he believed it was a suicide mission and not only would Jesus die, that all of them would die. Listen, that kind of chronic pessimism will cause you to miss God's very best in your life. Your attitude makes a world of difference. It matters to God and it matters to your life. You'll miss out on God's very best if you live with that kind of an outlook. There's so many people who come to that position in life because of their past, thinking because of all the times that they've messed up, because of who they are, because of the things that they've done in life, that they are not worthy of a relationship with God. Can I make a statement? Even the very best of us with perfect upbringings are not worthy of a relationship with God. None of us are worthy, but for a lot of people, they don't think that God could ever forgive them, ever save them because of who they are or what they've done. It's not that they don't want a relationship with God. It's not that they don't want to understand who God is and how to live in the wake of the blessing of God. They just don't believe that God can overlook the negativity of their past lives. Every year, Easter comes and goes, and people by the droves just like that miss the resurrection. One of the reasons Easter is so important is because of what it teaches us about what God can do in lives just like yours and mine. It teaches us that God is all-powerful and that God can powerfully work to bring about change in your life. Easter represents the power of God to deliver you from everything that shackles you and keeps you in bondage and slavery from your past. The Bible says that when you and I come to Christ in simple faith, that he 
wipes away every sin of our life. He forgives every single sin of your life. And that's important because all of us come into the world as sinners. We're all sinners. All have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has got at least one skeleton in our closet, if not dozens of them. All of us have been abused by others, and all of us have been abusive to others, if we're honest. But these are the kinds of people for whom Christ died. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says he took all of the junk of our past onto his dying body into his soon-to-be lifeless corpse. And he carried those sins away with his death on the cross. Never forget that Christ died for you. So don't let the insecurities of your life keep you from missing out. What is, without a doubt, the greatest event in human history and the greatest day of each and every year. Don't let it keep you from experiencing the power of the resurrection. Another reason that people miss Easter is not only insecurity, but isolation. Thomas missed that first Easter not because just that he was insecure, but also because he was just absent. He just wasn't there. He wasn't where he should have been. He wasn't with the people he should have been with. We're told in verse 24, now Thomas was not with them, the other disciples, when Jesus came. That first Easter Sunday morning. The disciples were meeting together in an undisclosed location. They were in a house. We're not sure whose house it was or where exactly it was, but they were there. The sun was beginning to set. It would soon be evening. And while they're there, 10 of them, Judas is not there and Thomas is not there. While they are there, those that are there, Jesus shows up and he stands, the Bible says, right in the middle of them. And the Bible says, verse 20, the disciples were what? Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And who wouldn't have been? Who would have intentionally wanted to have missed a situation like that? But Thomas was not there. And he wasn't there because he chose not to be there. We're not told the specific reason, but I'm convinced that Thomas was a hurting man for a lot of reasons. He'd felt like he'd failed the Lord probably in a sense he had. When Jesus reached his critical hour there in the agony in the garden and dying on the cross just a few hours later, Thomas ended up turning, tucking tail, and running away as fast as he could, just like the rest of the disciples did. When just days earlier, he'd already made this confession that he was ready to go to Jerusalem and die with Christ, if that's what it took. He really didn't mean it, apparently. When Judas failed the Lord, the Bible says he went out and hanged himself. When Peter failed the Lord, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. When Thomas failed the Lord, he just left. He went AWOL. He took his broken heart and his broken dreams, and he just ran away and crawled into a hole, and he paid a dear price for it. He missed the one thing that could have given him new life, a renewed spirit, 
a renewed energy, a renewed enthusiasm. He missed the one thing that could have completely changed and transformed his life, all because he became totally self-absorbed. Life was all about him. And when life becomes all about you, you'll have wounded pride, wounded feelings, a wounded heart. And when things don't go your way, you'll typically take the path of least resistance and you will turn and leave and retreat into your own hole. People miss Easter today, not because they have to, but because they choose to. They're just absent. Not so much uh, about staying away from church, though a lot of self-proclaimed Christians do that. There are a lot of people who just don't want to have anything to do with the church. So they're absent when God's people can gather together each and every week on the first day of the week, on the Lord's day. There are lots of people that profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, just don't show up. There are other things they just prefer to do, other places they would just prefer to be. So they separate themselves from the people of God. And I'm telling you, we're in, we're in a, a, a period of, cel- of separation right now. It's imposed separation. And in this period of separation that all of us are in, where we're having to do everything virtually, it seems like, you're going to have to be intentional about staying connected together, not only with the people of God, but with the living Lord himself. Man, we're doing our best at Hillcrest to keep our people connected via online platforms, all the opportunities that we can figure out to bring teaching and worship into the living rooms of people or wherever they may be. We're doing our best to do that, but here's the thing. We can't make you pull it up and push the button to start go. You have to determine you're going to stay connected, not only to your church family in ways that 25, 30 years ago we would have never been able to have afforded, Much of what we're doing today, the technology didn't even exist back then. But God has given us the opportunity to stay together when we can't be together. But we can't turn your computer on for you. you got to choose to do that. People miss the resurrection because they're AWOL. AWOL from church, yes. But mostly people miss the resurrection because they're just absent from God. They distance themselves from the Lord. And what a tragedy that people tend to isolate themselves from the very thing that can bring healing and encouragement, transformation and restoration into their life. They turn and absent themselves from the very thing that can break the chains, break the bonds, and set them free once and for all and forever. They separate themselves from the very thing that can give their lives purpose and meaning when nothing else can. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can connect you everlastingly and life-changingly to God. Listen, in these very important days, people are finding out their business cannot save them. Your company can't save you. Your boss can't save you. People finding out their hobbies can't save them. Your social network cannot save them. People are finding out their dwindling finances cannot save them. Only the power of the gospel can change your life, and only the power of the gospel can change anybody's life. And by gospel, of course, I simply mean the good news. That's what the word means. The gospel is the good news. Good news about what? It's the good news about the life, death, burial, and resurrection 
of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin to bring you into an everlasting relationship with the God who made you. And I'm just here to say this morning that lasting change can only come about when you connect eternally to a living Savior. Where there is no connection to a living Savior, there can be no lasting change in your life. No corporate uh, entity, no person, no relationship has the power to change your life. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring that about. So when it comes to Easter, don't go missing or you'll miss the most important thing about life. People miss the resurrection because they're insecure. People miss the resurrection because they're isolated. But also people tend to miss the resurrection because they doubt. Doubt. When the other disciples find Thomas, when Thomas finally does show up, almost a week to the day later, the following Lord's Day, and the disciples tell them the greatest news of all, we have seen the Lord, Thomas responds a way that I would imagine as you read this for the first time is a rather surprising response. Verse 25, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nail and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. That last phrase is so important. Because it's in the Greek New Testament, it's a double negative. Literally, it says, I will no, not believe. Sometimes rendered, I will by no means believe. To put it in the vernacular of our day, unless I see the nails, put my fingers in, stick my hand into his side, ain't no way on God's green earth that I'm going to believe a story like that. That was Thomas's attitude, and it's why to this day, He stuck with that nickname, Doubting Thomas, because he saw this idea of the resurrection as an impossibility, irrespective of the fact that Jesus had been teaching about it to his disciples over the last 18 months of his three-year public ministry. It just went right over the heads of the disciples, including Thomas. And when the disciples come up to Thomas and say, we have seen the Lord, he just presumed they'd see a phantom. They had seen a ghost of some kind. And all of this, notwithstanding the fact that Thomas presumably had been with Jesus, when three times Jesus, in the power of the Spirit of God, raised dead people back to life. He raised one person that was clinically dead back to life one time in each of the three years of his public ministry. And in spite of all of that, Thomas still doubted. He refused to believe. This is why miracles won't save anybody. If you're waiting for Jesus to show up physically, listen, I'm convinced that there are a lot of people in this country, Christ could show up physically, and they still wouldn't believe. They'd figure out a way to explain it away because that's not how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of Christ, by the word of Christ. Not by vision of Christ, not by an appearance of Christ, hearing by the word of Christ. And who knows, maybe Thomas was absent from those other 
resurrections that Jesus performed. For whatever reason, when the disciples say, we have seen the Lord, his attitude is, here's the deal, there's a sucker born every minute. Thomas is the P.T. Barnum of the biblical characters. There's a sucker born every minute. You guys can fall for that mess if you want to, but I want some evidence. I'm not going to believe unless I see it and feel it. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. And there are lots of people, maybe even some of you, wherever you may be this morning, are just like that. You view biblical Christianity just like that. You're skeptic. You're skeptic. And you need some evidence. Well, here's the thing. One of the things I really like about this story is it helps support the reality and the validity of the resurrection. You say, well, how? Well, the fact that we have a doubting disciple at all inserted into this story helps me to believe that the story is absolutely true. Because if you're making this stuff up, if this is a legendary tale, the last thing an author would do is put a doubter in the story. No, everybody needs to be heroic in these made-up legendary tales. You don't put a doubting disciple in there. But the fact that we have a doubting disciple in this story at all lends credence to the resurrection itself, that it was not a hoax, that it was not fabricated, that it was not a legendary tale. Because if you're making it up, you don't put one of those in there. In fact, all the disciples, truth be told, were slow to believe, which is another proof, in my opinion, There's not one hero among them, not a single one. They're all slow to believe. They all didn't believe until they saw either the empty tomb or the risen Jesus. You read that account in John's gospel, and John is very clear. The author of the gospel of John makes it very clear that he'd been with Jesus for three years. But it wasn't until he stuck his head into that tomb and saw the grave clothes of Jesus tidy and folded up that he actually trusted Jesus for who he claimed to be. It was the empty tomb that changed everything. And that was true for all of those men. I mean, once they saw the risen Lord, has it ever not struck you as absolutely ironic that once they saw the risen Lord, they were willing, every one of them, every one of them, every one of them were willing to lay down their lives in defense of their faith? They were all willing to risk persecution, alienation, even to be martyred. And all but one would die absolutely horrific, terrible deaths because they were driven to preach the reality of the resurrection. Not one of them ever changed their story. Not one of them ever recanted. Even though they had everything to lose and nothing to gain by trying to perpetuate a hoax. Why in the world would they do that and suffer what they suffered for what they knew to be a lie? You know, that's the thing about faith. Faith is not some blind, ignorant leap into the dark. No, quite the opposite. Faith is based on a preponderance of the evidence. Faith is based, in part anyway, on fact. Faith is based on historical events. It's a studied, calculated decision based on sound reasoning. You'll have, never have enough uh, evidence to be 100% certain. That's where faith comes in. But it's not a blind faith. There is evidence, and plenty of it, to lead people like me and millions of others like me to come to the conclusion it is a rational, reasonable thing 
to believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be and that Jesus Christ was indeed risen from the dead. These disciples were men who had to be convinced, and once they were convinced, they were willing to the man to die for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So doubt isn't all bad as long as your doubts don't carry you away. Don't get carried away by your doubts. As long as doubt becomes a tool where you honestly search for what is truth. And if you have an honest heart that seeks for the reality of truth and are willing to let that journey take you where it may, then your doubts, your skepticism can become your friend. Verse 26 tells us that Thomas doesn't completely get carried away by his doubts. One week later, he joins the disciples in that same house. And once again, Jesus shows up, walks right through the locked doors. Unbelievable. Either he passed right on through or the door miraculously swung right on open. Either way, Jesus ended up miraculously in the midst of the disciples. Now, those are just dramatic ways to enter a room one way or the other, no doubt about it. But remember, just one week earlier, Jesus had walked out of a tomb and there was a boulder, a giant boulder right in front of it that that tomb had been sealed shut with that boulder and yet it couldn't keep Jesus in. And what an encouragement in these days where every one of us are in a sense confined and shut in that the Lord we serve today is an unconfinable Christ we might be shut in, but Christ will never be shut out. Somebody say amen. We might not be able to get to church today, but that doesn't stop the risen Christ from getting to his people today. And whether uh, he does and how he does, be sure of this. When Christ invades your space today, he's ready to connect. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to encourage. Christ is ready to change your life. Life. Jesus looks at Thomas and says in verse 27, What grace, what grace. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. The NIV says, Stop doubting and believe, which is exactly what Thomas does when he sees the risen Lord. His doubts yield to the work of God in his heart. His doubts give way to genuine faith. And Thomas becomes what we would call today a true believer. After three years of walking with the Lord, he ceases to be a doubter and he becomes a true believer when he sees the risen Christ. And we know that based on the very next words that come out of the man's mouth. Thomas looks into the eyes of Jesus and says what? My Lord and my God. You know what? That way, from the doubter, from the disciple from Missouri, that may be the strongest statement of faith that you find anywhere in the Bible. And when he made it, don't miss the fact that nobody in the room argued with him about it. Nobody tried to contradict it. Jesus didn't contradict it because it was true. 
Jesus didn't correct him because that's who he was. He is Lord and he is God. And that's who he still is. And it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. Amen. It doesn't matter whether we believe it. See the bumper stickers that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, let me tell you, when God says it, that settles it, irrespective of whether we believe it or not. Amen. That's who he is. He is Lord and he is God. But here's the thing, for that to have any impact in your life, the statement has to become personal. The Christ who is by nature Lord and God has to become your Lord and he has to become your God for it to have any meaning whatsoever. This is what we mean by saving faith. Saving faith, becoming born again is when Thomas's testimony becomes your testimony and you see the risen Christ, not with the eyes of your head, but with the eyes of your heart. And you make the same confession that he made. My Lord and my God. Listen, we might be quick to criticize Thomas, but the truth is most of us are just like him from time to time. Insecure, often cynical, often isolated, weak when the going gets tough. And yet when Thomas sees the risen Lord, he stops doubting and he becomes a believer. And most importantly, he would never miss the resurrection again. And you don't have to miss it either. Going forth, you never have to miss another resurrection Lord's day. So whether you're a skeptic, a doubter, a cynic, who for whatever reason always has kept Jesus at arm's length at least, or whether you're a Christian today, a a believer who's watching this broadcast and you've lost your joy and you've lost your song, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are in life, what's important on this Easter Sunday is that whoever you are, wherever you are, you reach out in a supernatural way and touch the risen Christ who alone has the power to change your life. To everyone within the sound of my voice today, the words of Jesus to Thomas are my words to you. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Stop doubting. It's time to trust the Lord. Will you do that today? Wherever you may be, wherever you are in life, will you simply trust the risen Christ?